Hello, everyone. How is everyone? It's Katie Halper from The Katie Halper Show. If it's a Wednesday, sometime after 6 p.m. on WBAI, you can hear The Katie Halper Show. And I'm here, as usual, with Gay Pacheco. That's right. I'm here in the building. He's happy to see you today. Happy to see you. What's going on, Reggie? Hello there. Hello, Gabe. Hello, uh, Katie. What's up? Guys? What's up? What's Ga- up, Gabe is not only in the building, he's in, in the studio with us. That's correct. I'm just sitting here sipping on my iced coffee. I'm wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt. Got yeah. my Warby Parker glasses on, enjoying life. It's true. Usually That's you guys... very hipster. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. I came here all the way from Williamsburg today Wow. to downtown Brooklyn to be part of this uh, amazing show on WBAI Radio. What you guys don't know is that usually uh, Gabe and I are in separate floors on separate floors of the same building that's how we do the the radio show just skyping just skype it yeah we just like to keep it remote keep it remote boundaries we have a great show for you guys today it's a little bit of an emotional period because it's our first show ever you know what i'm gonna say right i have an inkling post apocalypse (laughs) this is our first post apocalyptic show and i think we all know what i mean by which i mean Bernie Sanders is no longer in the running. You mean he's no longer a viable presidential candidate? Right. Um, he's officially out of the race. He wasn't able to uh, to overcome the hurdle of the superdelegates and the uh, established Democratic political party apparatus? No. I love when people are like, you know what he did? He didn't do... He should have used this. If he had done this in um, Connecticut... If he had just gone to that one church in Connecticut, as if it was like one thing that he did as opposed to a systemic boundary that hurdle that he could never have gotten over. But he came really close. Do you mean that the candidate campaigning for universal health care and uh, free college didn't make it? No, but he did. He made it further than um, a lot of people could thought he would, right? Um, he gave a speech in which he endorsed Hillary Clinton. And, um, yeah, we're, we're processing it. We're kind of, I'm in a dark place kind of right now. I guess I'm a little bit more of a pessimist, so I woke up with a clear conscience. <laughs> it's true. You are. Gabe, Gabe never, you're not as disappointed because your, your life is more. No, I lived through two Reagans and then a George, uh, George Bush the first, and then. So, uh, so did, I mean, I'm only you know, a little younger than you. So, and then, Katie, your feelings about um, Bernie endorsing Hillary is more something like. Uh, like that? Yeah. Or more tragic, less victorious. Yeah. We have a, a like, day. let's see. Oh, this is good. We find. Well, well, this is the Imperial the, March. This oh, is yeah. the Darth Vader theme. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this yeah. is pretty nefarious. No, I mean, it, it might be nefarious. triumphant, no, but it's that's the. Not, you're right. But yeah. that's my feeling about maybe yeah. Hillary moving forward, not as much as Bernie endorsing her. Well, kissing the ring for the lack of a better term. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, we're going to have, we can talk about whether or not it was justified. Well, homicide of my dreams. Just kidding. Justified homicide of all of our dreams. Just kidding. Uh, Trump is worse than Hillary. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Trump is worse than Hillary. 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 And also, don't forget to not vote based on fear. I tell you what, Katie, I spent a week in Wyoming, Uh a week away from Facebook, a week away from Twitter, a week away from the television, and uh, Reggie just brought up fear, and the only thing I feared for that whole week was getting between a grizzly mother and her cubs, because it is grizzly feasting season right now, and the elks are all calving, they're all (laughs) having their little kids, and the grizzlies are coming down to the elk refuge outside of Jackson Hole, and they're just feasting on these. That's real. That's real real fear. That's real fear. You know, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that's the thing. Bear mace 
You only have a four. Mace. You only have a four second burst of bear mace. So you're supposed to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then you stop. And if the bear hasn't s- stopped and run away, you've got one more blast, one more burst. Wow. Don't squirt it all out at once, though. Is Don't this, do all four seconds okay. at once. I won't. Wow. Uh, so how do we apply this to the elections? Oh, I was just talking about my, you know, fear. Fear, got it. Fear Fear. in the media, fear fear in in real life. Well, we're going to, we're, not only are we going to do this kind of emotional processing that we're already doing, but we're going to speak to to some guests who are going to help us um, and shed some light on this, on this incident. Uh, First, in our first half, we're going to be talking to Amber Ali Frost, who is a writer living in Brooklyn by way of Indiana. She's a longtime member of the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, and she teaches writing at NYU. And she also contributed to a book on Rosa Luxemburg. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking to Josh Fox and Nomaki Konst. They're two um, Bernie Sanders surrogates. They fought the good fight this entire time. They're still fighting the good fight. And they actually were in Orlando pushing for really great reforms to the Democratic platform to make it more progressive. Now, of course, the Democratic platform has been drafted, has been written, and it has to be ratified now at the DNC in Philadelphia. And I just want to give big shout-outs to people um, who criticized Bernie Sanders for not dropping out as he made the platform more progressive and moved it to the left. And um, just a rule of thumb is that if you complained about his moving it to the left, you're not actually progressive. Also, I want to say something else, which is that people need to pick a lane commit to a side because what you have are you have people online like Michael Cohen who goes by the Twitter handle speech boy and he threw a fit about Bernie's massive ego which is funny because it was like a total projection he he literally said he's throwing a tantrum because of his massive ego and that's why he wanted to make the democratic platform more progressive which is yeah that sounds like a reasonable explanation so it's like a, like a crybaby trying to make the world better like only crybabies want to make the exactly, world better exactly because yeah. it's their ego is what they right right exactly my, his ego was leading him to campaign for universal health care exactly mart like martin luther king egomaniac right i mean it's the same yeah um so we're going to talk about that and that's just a question of being like I, I think we should start a segment which is like how to be a better um shill where we just tell people how to make their arguments better. Who is this guy, by the way? Michael Cohen. Um, is he important in the real world or just that's on Twitter? Thing. I mean, I think he, he, he's not, he's, he used to write places and he's, he fancies himself an expert on lots of things. But, um, oh, I like the sound, this background, by the way. It's kind of yeah. a um, nice ambient noise. Um, we're going to start shredding documents <laughs> in about five minutes, so hold on to your seat for that. The uh, you, uh, the Ollie North segment? Yeah, exactly. Ollie North segment. You know what? Let's let's bring our first guest on. Unlike the process that we're hearing right now, this woman is uh, not copyable. She's inimitable. She's unique. A one of a kind. One of a kind. Welcome to the table, Amber Ali Frost. I like that. We should start welcoming people like that. Oh, I like it. Amber, <laughs> thank you for coming. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to say you are not this person, but um, Michael Cohen. He's speech boy, right? He's speech boy, yeah. Someday he'll be speech man. You know what? When he has his speech mitzvah. That's such a good call. And it reminds me of the uh, Britney Spears song about not quite a woman, not, right. right? Not yeah. not a girl, but yeah. I'm not a girl. That's a great point. Yeah, he is a columnist at the Boston Globe, World Politics Review, author, and American Maelstrom 
uh, yeah, that's his his opus that no one's read. Right. But uh, yeah, I, he's one of my favorite people on Twitter because mm -hmm. he he really is a, is a self parody mm -hmm. who really accused Bernie Sanders of of throwing a tantrum over the Democratic platform. And the way he did this, Speech Boy Michael Cohen, was that he threw a tantrum over Bernie Sanders not dropping out um, and attribute it to his ego. And the big thing that drives me crazy, like the, the thing that Hillary defenders or Bernie attackers or Bernie haters, I should say, don't get is that they can't both say that the Democratic platform is unimportant and irrelevant and symbolic and then argue that he's wrong to push it to the left. Like, right. which is it? And why are Hillary people fighting tooth and nail against saying we oppose the TPP? which they did right. over the weekend. So I want everyone to know, these are how brave lots of the DNC is. And I have to say this about Hillary and the DNC. Watching the platform um, meetings reminded me that Hillary really is not any, I mean, the DNC is just horrible. Right. So in a way, it's kind of like a great endorsement of her because by, by, um, by foil, she looks, she's looking pretty good. Sure, comparatively. Right, yeah. So they voted against, despite the amazing, like, Amazing speeches from um, Ben Jealous, former head of the NAACP, uh, Josh Fox about uh, fracking. It was great to see the uh, Hillary delegates and Hillary appointees to the platform literally refuse to say out loud, we oppose TPP. They wouldn't mm. say it. And my favorite point, though, at the whole thing was when Bernie's people were trying to pass uh, single-payer health, and a former Arkansas senator uh, Mark Pryor. Uh, I'm Mark Pryor from Arkansas. Literally said. And I understand the appeal of a single payer system. I really do. A lot of economists think that's the best way to go. A lot of healthcare people think that's the best way to go. But here's the thing. But when you look at what President Obama passed in the Affordable Care Act, it was <laughs> the single greatest legislative accomplishment in a generation. And what this amendment says is, you know what, President Obama, that great accomplishment just isn't good enough. We're going to reject that, and the Democratic Party wants to do something else. I don't want to do that to our president. I do not want to do that to our president. And I don't want to do that to our, my president. Right. So it's like, look, he got an honorable mention on this, but he he did really good. It was like really good. Like he tried really hard for that C plus. So yeah, it's. I mean, it was literally like, um, I like President Obama. It would Obama. really be insulting to make Ex any major political wins yeah. to the people who failed at it prior. Right. I mean. No pun intended, prior. <laughs> no, but it's also like, um, yeah, 30, how many, 30 million people are uninsured. We could insure them, but I don't want to dis Obama. Can't we pick up the the flag where he dropped it and yeah, then keep well, moving it yeah, forward? I know. It's really, I mean, you don't have to be a PR genius to, to figure out how to do that, right? Well, also, I think people are sort of realizing that the, the compromise on health care has had some horrible results and right. left a, a lot of people in a really terrible situation. I mean, I benefited from it because of the Medicaid expansion, um, but <laughs> if you're... In the middle, there's still this awful, um, this awful range of income to be in, where it's just it's just not actually helpful to you. Your 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 overhead is extremely high. It doesn't cover lots of things. It's really easy to get jerked around by um, by insurance companies. I mean, it's it's everyone has a horror story, right? With Obamacare, so it's there's no reason why you couldn't move forward and be like, well, we tried this. 
Now let's do what everyone else is doing in the world, in the developed, you know, world. Right. And in some undeveloped countries. There are countries right. without, you know, incredibly developed economies that still have socialized health Yeah, my theory about this stuff is that the Hillary supporters have this uh, residual lingering guilt over race baiting and Muslim baiting Obama. And so we now have to suffer and deprive people of health care because mm. they're still working through their issues from 2008 yeah. when they were so terrible to Obama. That was the, the lack of mentioning that her campaigning in 2008 has been it's, – it's really right? surreal. It's incredibly surreal. I think they think that people aren't going to remember – <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the RFK tactic. reference. It was so racist. Yeah, I know. I, I don't understand how people don't remember it, but apparently they don't. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on Bernie Sanders, because I know, Amber, you've been writing a lot about this, and sure. um, you are a, f- a socialist feminist, and you've been attacked as a what a tool of the right wing because you're critical of Yeah, Hillary. I'm a brochialist or right. whatever. High five. Yeah. Go team. Go team. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I... It, as soon as Bernie announced, I, I knew that he was probably <laughs> not going to win. Um, you try not to say die while you're actually campaigning. Um, but, you know, this was always the most likely outcome. And Bernie is, uh, he's still kind of a so- uh, Cold War social democrat. He's still more scared of the Republicans than he is of neoliberalism. Uh, I knew at some point he was going to endorse Hillary. We've all known that. Um, it's strange because a lot of people seem to feel very betrayed by it, which, I mean, you had to see this this coming at some point. Um, I, I'm still not going to be voting for Hillary, obviously, and I live in New York. It's not like there's right. any reason for me to do it. Um, but mostly I'm just really pleased at, at, at what... Um, he's sort of inspired and, and, and by how invigorated people are. I just think uh, there's uh, still a lot to be capitalized off of that energy. Right. Um, would you uh, vote for Hillary if you were in a... No, I still wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> but, I but mean, you there's think, a really good yeah. article uh, or a blog post uh, written by a guy. He writes under a, a pseudonym. He's a journalist. He writes under Carl Bayer, and I ah. believe it's called... Yeah. Yes chin up um and basically you know his point is that leftists lose i mean we lose more than we win and that's that's what happens Mm -hmm. that's that's our lot and it's because we're fighting power um and you know that's the dialectic we're gonna lose a lot before we win once um so i understand feeling you know a, a bit uh put out feeling sad and maybe angry so you know mourn rage but also Suck it up. There's a lot of work to do right, right now. Um, and what are you thinking moving forward needs to, to happen? What is the work that needs to be done? Well, I mean, we're in sort of a prime situation, I think, for a lot of different programmatic work. Uh, obviously, we need to, I mean, by we, I mean sort of the generalized left or whatever. But it it's a really good moment maybe to start talking about, I don't know, disarming the police. Mm. Uh, that's a really good start, I think. Um, fighting neoliberalism is always on the table. Uh, fighting austerity is always on the table. But we want to make sure that we're not just treading water. I think we can start to talk about programs. 
we don't need a, a radical president to fight for socialized health care. We don't need that. So what does need to happen? I'm, I'm not being facetious. I mean, I don't even know. I, I feel like I'm at a loss right now because I have to step sure. like step back from I'm on Twitter too much. So for me, the biggest <laughs> enemies and I read the news too much on the media. So for me, the biggest enemies are the people who um, lied about Bernie Sanders. And I yeah. know it's hard for here's the oh, truth. Like I will not be forgetting that. Right. Can we make a list? Can <laughs> we, we have a list? Not forget I, about I think that. we should hold our votes hostage. I'm not kidding. I think <laughs> we should those people No, we were not going to fall in line. Who will um, hold on one second. We just want to make sure that the, the copy room isn't actually mic'd. Because I think maybe we left the <laughs> mic in there by accident. I'm sorry, um, I just I just really want to make all these copies. Oh no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's no yeah yeah. Um, I think Peter Dow and uh, David Brock are actually in the <laughs> copy room right now. Hillary. Yeah, they're flying for Hillary. They're trying to sabotage this. But um, like what I think we should demand apologies from certain people mm-hmm. and certain publications like the Washington Post, the New York Times, um, the people who talked about the, th- the chairs being thrown. Peter Dow, um, mm-hmm. who else? Who am I missing? I really you think we should make demands, um, but I do not think. I think you'll come up disappointed. They're not going to apologize. Um, right? They won't <laughs> apologize. Can they at least be? Discre- then they won't be discredited. Um, I mean, I think a lot of them have been discredited. I, I've actually been very encouraged, and and this is kind of a global thing. Yeah. At this point. Um, you know, the same thing is happening in uh, the UK right now. They're right. trying to, you know, overthrow Corbyn within the Labour Party. Right. Even though Corbyn is the only reason people are excited about the Labour Party right now. Right. Um, and they're saying, well, we need, we have, they're having demands for civility. You know, they, they uh, made a petition uh, that was like, uh, whatever, comradely behavior. And like, the woman who they're saying is going to be the next Margaret Thatcher signed it. I mean, just a Tory. Right. <laughs> like, so of course she wants everyone to fall in line behind this, you know, like, very mushy Labor Party. Right. Mushy uh, Labor Party. I like yeah. That. Um, it's a global thing that's going on. People are, are, are splitting. Right. And I, I feel think like it's great. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I used to always say, like, because I, I identify as left, and, uh, but I worked with liberals a lot. And mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, when the revolution comes, we'll be on different sides. But we have to oppose the Iraq war, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And I guess the Where revolution has been come. The anti-war movement in a while, though. Well, no, it's yeah. true. I'm, when Bush was, was doing mm-hmm. it, they were. But yeah. then when Obama. But it is tr- I guess it's an exciting time. When Bernie says a political revolution, he's right. Because according to my timeline, at least, that's when this yeah. difference was going to kind of emerge. Yeah. Um, and I s- think it's great. And, you know, say what you will for a, a – I'm not an accelerationist by any means. I right. don't think things need to get worse before they get better. But – a Hillary Clinton presidency will be the last nail in the coffin of a certain kind of identity politics. Oh, great. I mean, we had Obama as a president, and it, it did not trickle down to improve the lives of black Americans. Right. I think women are going to quickly figure out that a female president isn't going to trickle down to, you know, make it's not going to close the wage gap or anything. We're not going to get, you know, parental leave. Um, you know, That'll be it. This is going to disabuse uh, a, a lot of people of sort of myths that they have about about representation and what it can accomplish. Right, right. Um, that's exciting. So Nina Turner or Ben Jealous, I'll, I would like either of them to be president. I'm just going to throw that out there <laughs> uh, next term. So let's talk a little bit about this 
um, opus, uh, We Are the Left, that was published on Medium. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this. And Medium, by the way, is where every single shill for Hillary um, has, like, a, a platform. Yeah. And um, some of my favorite posts have been written on Medium, like that one by Robin Alperstein, who, who wrote about how Bernie lost her, and, of course, she's a corporate lawyer who defends yeah. hedge funds, so I don't think he ever had her. Yeah. Um, but this one, and and you mentioned Carl Bayer, a uh, friend of the show, got to have him on. We will have him on very soon. He writes at Carl B-E-I-J-E-R. That's how you spell his na- last name. So carlbayer.com. He wrote about this um, this open letter. He, he writes that in an open letter posted today that I won't bother linking to, a clique of social media personalities have rehearsed a familiar list of accusations against the left. Hi. Thank you so much, Carl Bayer. Hey. Thank hey, you for coming. Hey, how you doing? Good, you? Glad to be here. Good, good. I'm doing well. Finally, yeah. We got we gave you a shout out on the show yesterday, and we just felt like we need to have you come in and lay the groundwork better than I was able to by reading a uh, couple sentences of, of your very good piece on this issue of We Are the Left. This letter rolls out. Uh, it's called An Open Letter on Identity Politics to and from the Left. And it has this whole list at the end of basically almost entirely media types uh, and uh, not coincidentally all Clinton supporters uh, for the most part who signed this. And uh, you look through here and what this letter, it's kind of a mess. It's its hard to figure out what they're actually getting at. But what they generally do is they go through their usual uh, laundry list of grievances that they have with various people just on social media. And they put this in some kind of grand historical context. So they talk about, you know, Firestone in 68 and Rivera in 73 and stuff like that. And uh, they're, they're, I guess, building some kind of case that there's problems in the left that uh, happen in history and that are still going on. And then they make a list of demands uh, on the left. And uh, it's just, it's really bizarre because it's a, a, a sort of a weird series of mostly unrelated anecdotes and it's kind of hard to find a common thread. And then a lot of the stories they tell are really gross and obvious misrepresentations of what actually happened. Um, so like the piece I wrote yesterday, um, I talked about this old incident where somebody uh, sent Sarah Jeong, who is some another Twitter personality, a message um, basically making some kind of threat. And ever since then, for the uh, following six, seven months, both uh, Jiang and Sadie Doyle, who is in the middle of this and who evidently actually wrote this letter, have tried to hang that threat on me and Matt Brinning. Uh they kind of shift around in their explanations. So when Sadie is being lazy about it, she'll just say, oh, uh, Matt Brennan coordinated this. Uh, and then when somebody is sort of scrutinizing her more closely, she'll say, oh, well, he inspired it or whatever. Uh, but anyway, so 
I just looked into this incident. It really only took a couple minutes. And what I found out is this guy is a serial harasser of women forever. He's a sort of universal pariah. Nobody, it, it, nobody that I know or in any of my networks or any of Matt net, Matt's networks get along with this guy. They actively uh, uh, criticize him for harassing women. Uh, there is no plausible way to say that this guy was somehow under some kind of peer pressure or whatever their argument was to do this to Sadie Doyle. And again, this is all stuff I found out in a matter of minutes, but repeatedly over the last six months, uh, both of these women have repeated this lie that we are somehow involved. It was actually in Sadie Doyle's uh, letter that she used to try to get Matt Bruning fired. Uh, it was alluded to in a tweet where a guy tried to get me fired from the Baltimore Post Examiner, and they said no. Um, and it's it, this this has been ongoing. And, you know, I pointed this out. Uh, we, of course, have not received any apology for this. We never will. We're not expecting one. Uh, Why not? Okay. okay. Well, I real temptation here is to blow this up and pretend like it's some grand statement about the state of American political discourse and all that. And that's what they try to do with all these historical parallels and stuff like that. But that's not what any of this is about. This is a very small clique of, you know, mostly New York and DC based media folks who all know each other. So again, like there are, there are sort of little personal importances. And I think that maybe you can extrapolate grand conclusions. Like, for example, I think it's pretty clear that there's a very strong remaining institutional anti-communist sentiment that's out there. This is clearly coming from the top and it's clearly ingrained in the system. And it's something that the radical left is going to be fighting against for the foreseeable future. But it's not, you know, these are kind of symptoms of deeper problems. I think that you can sort of read some conclusions out of this and get some symptoms. So like here's like today, actually, right now we have a good example that I think we can draw a larger conclusion from. Uh, What's happening even as we speak is um, this article at one point, it mentions uh, two of the black activists who showed up at a, it was a social security rally that Bernie Sanders was speaking at. It wasn't actually a Sanders rally. And they showed up and among other things, they uh, demanded like four and a half minutes of silence. Um, They're involved Black Lives Matter. And uh, so they wrote about this in the article. And an interesting thing is uh, they didn't talk to either of these women before they put them in there. And one of them, uh, Marissa Johnson, evidently has some serious problems uh, with this article. So just a simple example. With the We Are the Last Piece, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a simple example, originally they called them uh, women of color. And she's like, we aren't women of color, we're black women. Um, And then in another conversation, she was talking to somebody else. And she said, yeah, this, this whole thing kind of reeks of white feminism, is what she calls it, which is what it is. And then uh, today, what's happening is evidently, for some reason that I cannot fathom the writers of this letter thought it would be a good idea to just add her to the signatories without her permission. And she is, she saw this, she's furious um, and 
going in on Sadie Doyle about it, um, you know, she's saying right now, I did not co-sign this. I did not sign it. It doesn't represent my political views. I need to understand why y'all use me so horribly and then added me to the list. Um, this to me is just like an absolutely outrageous thing. But I think that what we can draw from it is we have this set of sort of liberal Clintonites who won a very significant uh, percentage of black voters who actually voted. It was between like 70 or 75 percent. They did not actually win a significant percentage of black Americans. Uh, they won about 12.5 percent of all eligible black Americans. So it, it, they they don't speak for, you know, black people or black America at all, but they evidently think they do. And they evidently feel really comfortable with just signing their names to stuff. And I think that I, I don't think that's accidental here. I think we're seeing a symptom of a problem where uh Liberal Democrats feel like they own black voters uh, to a certain extent, even though they really don't have that much support. It's trivial. It's like 12.5 percent. Anyway, the, the point is that that the same messages are, are, are being repeated again and again. And Carl Bayer like reveals all of this. Um, and he, he has revealed that uh, it has been confirmed that Sadie Doyle actually wrote it. And as he says, which make which of course makes perfect sense, and she's just rehearsing the exact same smears that she's rehearsed in multiple articles before. And I don't mean to brag, but Sadie Doyle, who 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 gets a lot of people in trouble and tries to get people fired, um, sometimes she, succeeds. Sometimes succeeds, right? Uh, she did call me a top lady burner, and she wrote about me, and she called me a hack. Yeah, I have to say. I'm kind of insulted that I was not included in the top lady burner I know. list. Well, I mean, come on. Rania Kalik and I are there, but we can I name you. I'm in the coven. I know. I think you are. I think you're more than just, you should be, yeah, you're, you're, we, I, I'm I, in the Liza Featherstone book. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And, um, but I just thought that we would talk a little bit about, about this, this masterpiece. Uh, some of my favorite parts of, about it are because these people are really woke, right? When it comes to identity politics, and some of my favorite parts in the whole thing. So woke, uh, they don't like poor people. That's like a right. High so level basically, of their identity um, uh, politics are consist of identity politics minus class, is what I think. Um, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but here's what's what's really sad is that in this letter. Um, which is which is called uh, "We Are the Left," uh, an open letter on identity politics to and from the left, and it says we, un the undersigned, are in the uncomfortable position of reporting on a problem that we are told does not exist. We ask you to consider a few incidents. And what's amazing is that they 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 give a few incidents. You'd think that if this were such a systemic problem, they'd have more incidents than one in 1968, one in 1973, and one in 2015, and one in 2016. But whatever, this is much more of a kind of emotional cathartic thing, I yeah, think, than that's actually rational thing. And I know I'm going to be called sexist, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know when she blocked me from Twitter, but I'm I don't sorry. Know. You don't get to feel special. Yeah. She uses bots. I was hand blocked. Oh and man! Stop! Stop! Stop bragging! It's really <laughs> I'm, I'm a VIP. You got that a hand block from her? Wow. Very artisanal. It's like <laughs> I was hand blocked. Sorry. Just to get get a sense of how woke these people are, um, they they give an example of Shulamith Firestone, and who was being attacked, uh, verbally attacked, and 
Really not a fan of the bourgeois feminists, Julian Firestone. Yeah, I know. So many <laughs> people, I'm like, they're, I don't think, do you think um, uh, Sylvia Rivera would be happy to be Sylvia in this? Sylvia Rivera, like. I think she's rolling in her grave. Died which, cursing, like, advocate style, yeah. like, gay politics. Yeah, I know. And, the, yeah, and the people who wrote this are, are hardly, yeah. Uh, fighting against the system but um, they quote Ellen Willis who I really admire and, and Ellen, Ellen oh, Willis said if radical men can so easily be provoked into acting like rednecks what can we expect from others now that's a fine thing to say I'm just going to say that <laughs> if we're talking about identity politics the term redneck not my favorite Ellen Willis moment yeah I mean I say I, that as this, a and this is not at all a critique of her this is a critique of how unconscious these people are yeah. of how to even frame their argument like of they their own privilege yes they use a quote to show how unwoke we are right. we being the lefties who apparently want to purge them uh, maybe but we don't try to because we can't right well, moving we don't have aside. the we don't, exactly. they own all the things exactly they're we projecting so so i like that they quote that that quote because it shows you they're really they're not classist at all they'd have a very great intersectional critique of class there's that <laughs> and then another one that i really like is um they refer to um someone uh one woman one of the victims they're speaking for right or survivors i should say survivors of this one woman worked this is amani gandhi gandhi yeah uh, a- uh angry black lady on twitter and yeah. she they, they write of her one woman worked for seven months on loan modifications she has been accused over and over of quote throwing poor black people out of their homes end well. quote and then they say in parentheses she is herself a black woman because that's identity politics right that's right. woke because you know what black people can't be bad to black people. I mean, we all know that, right? You can't be right. black. And do problematic things. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. I mean, because obviously, yeah. And be bourgeois tools Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sex. Oh, why don't you mention she's black? Then I get it. She's totally radical yeah. and woke. Yeah. Sorry, my really, bad. I think yeah. that's the future we're all looking for when black people are thrown out of their homes, but only by other black yes, people. Yes, you're right. You're right. Like yeah. a FUBU oppression? Yes, FUBU oppression. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, that's of course, everyone. so everyone knows it's for us, by us. It's a brand of clothing that I think now is run by white people probably probably but i don't know if anybody still buys fubu i don't know we I live in a like post the FUBU. toddler lines for it really but, uh, yeah i think children are mostly the <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> it is but yeah it's i mean i i like this because there there's some people who uh who apparently couldn't come out as as not being part of we are the left because um they they couldn't face the backlash right, right. and it reminds me I love me of, this we are legion you just don't know how many of us there are we can't be obvious about that by the way the names on here are like oh yeah should, uh, who, so who who do we have which um I, I just I just who are these I, people I, I want to share just some thoughts um well they are the neoliberals I think they should call it we are the neoliberals yeah. instead of we are the left yeah I mean um, there's like yeah there's Sadie she wrote it Sarah Kenzie or all right um but my, my favorite part is they sign it and they, they write those members of our initial organizing coali- coalition who remained anonymous because of the because the cost of being named was just too high. Who's ever been fired for being uh, for praising identity politics and being liberal? Does anyone yeah, know? Yeah, that's so unpopular right now. There certainly aren't entire you know careers built on that. Right. I mean, all I know is that Matt Bruning has been fired. Um, and he's one of the uh, alleged lefties, right? Mm-hmm. That they're cr- criticizing. He's a Bernie bro. A Bernie, he's my bro, bro. Who, Bernie bro. Who doesn't have any um, intersectional critique. And then um, 
Emmett um, Renzen was suspended. He's a, one of us too. So I would love to see. I would love to see someone actually fired from their side. Not because I wish that on them, but because <laughs> I don't think it's happened. So if anyone wants to 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 show us a, a documented case of what they're saying as opposed to the opposite, that would be awesome. You mean losing their jobs for their convictions? Yeah, which, I mean, these people are basically the, the communists. They are like, we are the McCarthyites. We, yeah. Adolph Reed is Joe McCarthy. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I say. Um, and speaking of Joe McCarthy, um, we're going to, we're so excited. We're going to have our, our second chunk of the show. We're really excited. We have Josh Fox on the line. And Nomaki Konst. Are you there? We are here. Hi. How are you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hola. Hi. Hola. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're all right. We're having a hot and muggy New York City day. Nice. Is that a metaphor for something like the Bernie Sanders movement? It's still hot. <laughs> it's on fire. No. It's, I mean, I am make. I am a climate change person, but that really is just the weather. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Now, you guys both were kind of amazing. And by the way, we have, I'm here, Gabe Pacheco's here, Reggie Johnson, and Amber Lee Frost is here. We've just been talking about the We Are Left movement um, and the and Bernie Sanders. So you guys both did amazing work at the DNC, at the Democratic Platform Committee meeting. I watched it. I was moved. Beautiful stuff. How did you, how did you not um, throw chairs? Like, I don't mean to be too forward about it, but yeah. You want to start? Okay, so Josh is very composed. I, on the other hand, got in a fight with Maxine Waters. You did. You did. You got in a vicious, like, like screaming at each other over the table. I thought that you were going to start throwing things at it. Do you want to give us a summary of what happened and your and yeah. what you guys achieved and what you didn't achieve and what we're yeah, the Maxine Waters forward. thing. You can find it online. Yeah, you know what? We're going to we'll have this will be an extra. We'll put it on the podcast. We're going to do a more gossipy piece where yes, you tell us about yeah. That's right. And like who had good skin and who had bad skin. Who needed like to exfoliate? It, it was a, a pretty pasty looking bunch. To yeah, be honest, I know. On the Clinton side, one I guy know. looked like Colonel Sanders, and he. Oh my God! I know who you're talking about. Yeah. You know exactly who we're talking yeah. about. Um, um, but we're not going to get into ad hominem. No, uh, that's their no, side. Uh, that's their, their that's their mo. Right. Insults. Right. right. No, no. What no. we are going to do is talk about the things that we actually accomplished, Fine. and it's true. At the beginning of this session, it was kind of loopy. Like we got there, they were clearly stalling. We didn't start the first session. I think it was to like 10 p.m. Donna Brazil at one point came in and was taking drink orders for delegates. Like, who wants a Jaeger bomb? We thought, this is a charade. They're stonewalling us. They're trying to um, make sure that nothing passes. Most of the platform was voted. Clinton delegates on one side, Sanders delegates on another, right. very much along those kind of campaign lines. But then Nina Turner came out oh my God, with stop. one of the Clinton me. delegates and said, Madam Chair, I do accept Sister Mary Kay's amendment to my amendment and am vitally proud that the Democratic Party is affirming that the federal minimum wage should be $15 an hour. You know, we have a unity position on the fight for 15. $15 an hour, federal minimum wage. We have agreed this is what's going to happen. And that was a moment where we all felt like extraordinarily excited. And so that set the stage for what was to happen later with our environmental amendment. So uh, I had proposed two amendments. One was a complete ban on fracking all throughout the United States. Basically, as you, as you said, there's no place in the revolution for fracking. There is a political 
revolution going on in this country. Yeah. And fracking has no place in it. I, I, well, that was my first line, and I and I I campaigned my heart out for this yeah, uh, amendment, the yeah. anti-fracking amendment, on a national scale. Um, pretty sure that we weren't going to make that. Um, Phil McKibben and myself uh, of 350.org, the great environmental leader, as well as um, Ben Jealous, a former head of the NAACP, uh, and um, Deborah Parker uh, and Jane Klebb from Bold, Nebraska. We were in the uh, in that back room, and there is a back room. Mm. We were negotiating mm -hmm. an amendment that was kind of an omnibus climate change and fracking amendment that I think was everything that we could have hoped for to achieve. In many ways, uh, as a whole, more important than a fracking ban um, and more important than a fracking moratorium in the, in the, in, in the, in the moment. Because what we, what we know of democratic national policy right now is that they support fracking and they support a transition to fracked gas power plants across America. So Hillary Clinton, oh. Obama's plan is to build 300 new frack gas power plants. That would ensure that America gets fracked and fracked hard for the next 40 years. Wow. That means two million Hardcore new fracking. wells. That means, you know, drilling America into Swiss cheese. Now, wow. if you build those frack gas power plants, you're essentially doing them because someone told you at, at one point in time, I wonder who, who is the natural gas industry? I'm not going to lie. That frack gas was better than coal for the climate. And unfortunately, the Democrats believed them, even though they were lying, and they weren't telling the whole story. So as we know now, because of the methane leaks <clears throat> that are incurred by this infrastructure and the burning of the gas itself, actually fracked gas power plants wind up being a greater emissions profile than even coal. Okay, so Barack Obama's clean power plant sends us out of the frying pan and into the fire, out of the coal hell and mm -hmm. into the fracked gas. Right. I don't know. No pun intended. More, more metaphors. Explosion, no yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, so it was very important for me that the Democrats in their platform oppose these frack gas power plants and say, no, we need a transition to actual renewable energy, the wind and the sun. So Bill McKibben and I, uh, after many hours of negotiations, um, we did uh, get language um, back and forth with the Clinton delegates that said, Democrats believe that carbon dioxide, methane, and other greenhouse gases should be priced to reflect their negative externalities and to accelerate the transition to a clean energy economy and help meet our climate goals. Democrats believe that climate change is too important to wait for climate deniers and defeatists in Congress to start listening to science and support using every tool available to reduce emissions now. We will streamline federal permitting to accelerate the construction of new transmission lines to get low-cost renewable energy to market and incentivize wind, solar, and other renewable energy over the development of new natural gas power plants. We support President Obama's decision to reject the Keystone XL pipeline. As we continue working to reduce carbon dioxide, methane, and other greenhouse gas emissions, we must ensure federal actions don't significantly exacerbate global warming. We support a comprehensive approach that ensures all federal decisions going forward contribute to solving, not significantly exacerbating climate change. Democrats believe that our commitment to meeting the climate challenge must also be reflected in the infrastructure investments we make. We need to make our existing infrastructure safer and cleaner and build the new infrastructure necessary to power our clean energy future. 
to create good-paying middle-class jobs that can't be outsourced, Democrats support high labor standards and clean energy infrastructure and the right to form or join a union, whether in renewable power or advanced vehicle manufacturing. During the clean energy transition, we will ensure landowners, communities of color, and tribal nations are at the table. We want a price on carbon. We want a price on methane. Uh, we want uh, the Keystone XL standard to be um, put on every single federal en energy project, which means if it's not good for the climate, the federal government should not pass it. We got an, a clause in there that said we were going to favor solar and wind over fracked gas power plants, which is a 180-degree turn for the Democrats. And uh, we got a provision that said that communities, people of color, and native tribes had to have a seat at the table during these uh, federal... And that was uh, a last-minute thing. Wow. Well, that was very that important was to me, and, and no one was paying attention to me until Jane Clubb Jane from Bold, Nebraska backed it up. Fractivists Wait, know ask, well that ask, communities have to be consulted. I have to say, on both sides, uh, we're lacking, because mm -hmm. a lot of people who work in politics don't do this. Josh went into the room, was talking to the, to the, um, the, the, the operatives, right, about strategy, and then he would go out of the room and call and email and talk to the people that he knew were invested in the movement but weren't in the room. Mm. And that's when you asked Jane Klebb to, to say, mm -hmm. what do you think? And she yeah. had this beautiful line, and it was poetic and intuitive, and it was just great. And, and P.S., more women needed to be in those operative rooms. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Yes. They were too male-dominated, and that was clear. Um, you know, uh, there was a historic unity amendment. Now, and to be honest, this was not a compromise. This was a straight-out victory. Mm. Um, and it was because of the strength of organizing. Um, the Clinton campaign was terrified that 100,000 fractivists were going to show up in Philadelphia and disrupt things. And they knew that they had to give us what we wanted, or else the climate movement and the fracking movement were never going to go along with them. And this was what Bill and I ended up writing, uh, which Jane Klebb and these other people who are uh, phenomenal community leaders. And so after we lost the vote on the fracking ban and I gave, you know, uh, probably the most blistering speech on fracking of five minutes I've ever done in my life, um, I was able to go out there and announce the good news. Well, here's the good news, environmental movement. We got stuff that was more important. This frack gas power plant thing um, and this federal infrastructure standard, that cuts the legs out of the future of the natural gas industry. If this were to be democratic policy, that would absolutely change 100% the future of American energy. And that's the standard now that they have in their platform and that we as a movement have to hold them to. And right before he did that, right the First Amendment, that, that the ban fracking amendment that we lost, the entire the delegation, the Bernie Sanders delegation, and the supporters who are on the outside observing erupted. It became a rally. This is what happens when you organize. This is what happens when you never say die. This presidential campaign is unlike anything that's happened in our history. We are a coming together of so many aspects of this movement, the climate movement, the anti-fracking movement being just a piece of this, and I'll let the people behind me speak to the rest of it. But the fact is, that ends with our communities will be at the table when these decisions are made, and the federal government is held to the standard of the Keystone XL pipeline, which is that any project that exacerbates climate change will not go forward and that we will favor renewable energy instead of natural gas power plants. That is a huge victory for, for people. It is a huge victory for organizing. It is a huge victory for our movement. I want to say thank you one more time to this extraordinary leadership.
of Bernie Sanders. The man brought us here today. We came together and we won this. Excuse me. My name is Cornell West. And we must both applaud the coming together. But at the same time, we've got to keep the focus on the gap between declaration and execution. It's a beautiful thing to be able to come together and put it on paper. But I also want to see the practice. And that's precisely why, no matter how much noise you make, it's not about the noise now, y'all. It's about your integrity. It's about your honesty. It's about your longevity. And what that means then is that we still have to have an inside-outside strategy. We need a movement in the streets willing to go to jail to make sure elites are accountable. And then we bring the pressure to bear on the inside to create some space for those who are elected with integrity can respond to those in the streets. That's how you keep democracy alive. That's why I like it. He basically had a rally in the middle of this platform committee hearing that's usually run by a bunch of Democratic hacks. Well, the thing that was interesting about the Sanders delegation is that Bernie sent a lot of heavy hitters down to do this. Um, and Clinton delegation seemed to be a lot of you know bundlers, Definitely. people who are rewarded with a seat on the platform committee because it's, they've raised a lot of money. There weren't a lot of really sophisticated. Um, there were some. some. There were some. Definitely people who were who had Randy some. Randy Weingarten, some, Ilsa some, Hogue, union leaders. Definitely some people with some gravitas. But we uh -huh. had Nina Turner, Nomiki, who's uh, amazing right. as a speaker. Bill McKibben, Ben Jealous. Oh, uh, you had people him. there who were who were real leaders of in their own right going down there to do battle and hammer out this platform. And I think we got a lot out of it. We won the vote on decriminalization of marijuana by one I vote. Know. It was crazy. truly like watching the end of a basketball game where somebody wins by one point. And it was incredible. something about that. The guy who, right after we won on one vote, uh, a man named uh, Mark Pryor. Oh, we talked about him. We love him because of his healthcare position. Yeah, keep going. Sorry, Mark Pryor. You like love him, love yeah, him, but, love like the fact. Well, that I love that he's like. You know what? We could insure thirty million people, but I'd rather not offend Obama. Right. So, and by offend Obama, we mean like, hey, I've been I've been working with the Clintons for thirty five years in Arkansas, and I'm just one of his hacks. Oh no, oh. my theory is that he feels bad because I'm sure he engaged in race baiting and Muslim baiting um, of Obama in two thousand eight with the Clintons. He feels bad, and now we all have to pay the price of not having health insurance so he can work yeah. through it. He's, he's like the epitome of the worst person in DLC. Like, yeah. like think of the 80s and the 90s when the DLC originated. He was like the low, the low bottom feeder of the DLC, and this is the moment that he has to shine, and the moment that he could step out and show that he was loyal to the Clintons was the moment we had a one one vote difference and you could step up and say oh we need a re-vote because not everybody had their clickers there was a clicker Is, problem isn't he embarrassed i thought that the clintons would be embarrassed to have people say on Sorry. their behalf that <laughs> embarrassed okay you're right i thought it would be not good pr for for people to say on their behalf that they're against having marijuana on the list well, but, of but they never inhaled you know i experimented with marijuana a time or two and i didn't like it and didn't inhale and never tried it again. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So they don't, yeah, they don't, they have no, they have no skin in the yeah. game. And I don't think they've exhaled since then, actually.
Yeah, it's still they're still holding it. That's why they have sometimes those frozen awkward expressions. At yeah, least it's a little. Um, yeah, no, I, I I feel that there's a breathing problem. Yes. But um, you know, which just is why they don't care about the breathing involves you're interacting with your environment and the rest of the world. You're taking things from the outside into yourself. Right. You're taking things outside of yourself and putting them in well, the world. Actually, a perfect example of this is at the end of so after Josh had this unity vote, after we had the fifteen dollar minimum wage unity vote, after uh, essentially. Three days of, of voting until 1 a.m., 2 a.m., really late nights. You know, Josh and I are exhausted, and we're some of the youngest members of the delegation, and, and I don't know how some of these people st stayed up and, and continued to vote passionately. Because Donna Brazil just, was hooking them up. Like yeah. Um, but right before we ended, uh, something crazy happened, and you may have heard about this. The Hillary delegation, Ilsa Hogue, uh, the head of NARAL, and Brandy Weingarten, the head of UFT, got up and, and proposed this amendment 15 minutes, it was proposed 15 minutes before they, they proposed it, and Jeff Weaver actually agreed to it, what? we later learned, and that was to take out the words democratic from the entire platform we just deliberated and put in Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that was that was like embar again, no embarrassment, like just for yeah. No, no, this was this was a revolt in it the room. Better. I saw it. It. it was it was deplorable. I'm sorry. I I like abortion. I'm more than pro-choice. Uh, I'm also like teachers, uh, but I could not believe what I was seeing. We ended up killing the amendment. I I think that's yes. really important to know. Yeah. We I'll, rushed I'll for it. Actually, that, yeah. I have to give credit to Ilsa and Randy. They brought me in the circle. They kicked out all the men. Nice. <laughs> they realized it was an issue. I mean, there were two men shouting, ready to punch each other out next right. to us. And Ilsa gets up. She goes, get the frack out of the way. Oh, that it's is up cute. to us. And it was this like it. amazing moment nice, where we yeah. just said, we're killing the bell. You know, this environmental amendment was something for the ages. And I didn't think, you know, that we were going to get that. And I couldn't believe that we'd actually moved the Clinton delegation to do anything. Right. I mean, these people are famous for not compromising. And I have to say that it did move me. And it does make sense to me um, what Bernie Sanders is doing right now. I do mm -hmm. think that Bernie Sanders is out there. And he is... Finding really? a way for this all to change um, in spite of the fact that we have one of the most uh, stubborn and difficult um, campaigns to deal with probably in history. The Clinton campaign are, are not um, uh, accommodating you know, at all. They don't allow real negotiation. So what's going to happen moving forward, speaking of which, uh, okay. what's going to happen to the DNC and what, can, what are we going to do after that? Yeah. Moving forward, uh, I, I got to say one thing. We have two minutes, so we you have, have so to lay out the entire uh, plan in two minutes. Okay. Yes. We have so much leverage right now. We can't forget what leverage and what growth we've had. We infiltrated the platform committee. We kicked out a bunch of hacks, and we took over half of the platform committee. We changed the platform. It's only the beginning, and, and it's going to be much easier for us as movement leaders to influence, as much as we hate to say it, Hillary Clinton, than it is Donald right. Trump, right. who won't even give us a seat at the table. And it is on us now. We can't look to higher-ups. We can't look to parties. We can't look to Jill Stein or Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or or Gary Johnson to move this forward. It is us. Organize. Mm -hmm. We have to organize. Uh, look, everyone at D WBAI knows what it was like to deal with the Iraq War. Right. Um, I cannot at this moment say, oh, let's go and work with Jill Stein at the Green Party. I think that is absolutely inappropriate right now. Um, Bernie Sanders is still, he hasn't suspended his campaign. Oh. He is going on tour around this country to campaign 
with Hillary Clinton and for our agenda that has sort of implanted itself inside the Clinton campaign. And he has done a really good job of implanting that agenda. And so have we. We have fought at the Democratic platform yeah, level awesome. to reform the Democratic Party. I don't think the Greens have any kind of organization that can win right now. On the ground. The only thing I think what we have right now is the unfortunate triumvirate of a neo-fascist, mm-hmm. a neoliberal, mm-hmm. and a neo-naderite. And all mm. the neo-Naderites mm. can do is help elect the neo-fascist. Okay. They cannot possibly win. And this is the problem. Um, I think as a movement, however, we have to keep our power. We cannot endorse Hillary Clinton. She needs to come to us. Yep. She needs to work with us. Okay. She needs to wor- work for our vote. And if she doesn't work for our vote, there is no way that Nomi or I or anyone else can control where they're going. We, the truth of the matter is that this is not about candidates anymore. This right. is about our agenda. We fought like crazy to stop the TPP at the platform level. We fought like crazy for single-payer health care. We fought like crazy for a fracking ban. We fought for repair and peace in Gaza. And these are the things that we're fighting for. We fought to expand Social Security benefits for seniors who don't don't have enough money to afford more than one meal a day. These are the things that... And we fought for campaign finance reform. We fought against the revolving door. These are issues that are not going away, and we need to... My name is Nomi Konst, and I'm from New York. I think this amendment is crucial for the Democratic Party platform because it sets the precedent for things like overturning Citizens United, allowing lobbyists back into the DNC, which we once banned, something that President Obama campaigned against and we are now doing again. We are setting the precedent. Right now, this platform is being labeled as progressive. There are many people in this audience back there who do not agree with that because the language has been weak and it's code and it's code because this is a living platform for the wall street lobbyists who are now owning our party we are no longer the social progressives the fdr progressives we are the wall street progressives and if we want to stand up against citizens united like we are all campaigning on this is what we need to pass this needs to be all over our platform And if every single person in here votes for it, you're a Democrat. If one person votes against it, you're not a Democrat. That's uh... Hang on, hang on. And if I can make an argument as to why we shouldn't agree with this, I would love to hear that, because right now I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing that. Okay, thank you. And we need to have progress on those issues, and that's what we need to hear from the Clinton campaign. Okay, and anything concrete uh, before the DNC or, or that you that you're yeah, demanding? Three, three really important things. Okay. Number one, uh, Josh is going to be screening his film and doing a rally. He will be following up with that. He'll be okay. tweeting out the, the locations for that. Okay. Two, Shailene Woodley, uh, actress Shailene Woodley, one of our great surrogates, is is organizing a caravan, several caravans to the DNC. It's called Up To Us. I think it's uptous.net. Uptous.net. Check it out. It's going to be awesome. And number three, I'm organizing an effort. It's more um, about the rules of the Democratic uh, Committee because I think we have a lot of leverage right now to end superdelegates. Go to reformthednc.com. Sign up. We'll be sending you some information really soon. This is something that both Hillary supporters and Bernie supporters agree on, and it's just the first step towards a series of reforms the Democratic Party needs to undergo. Well, thank you guys so much, and um, we will link to, to those sites, and um, thanks for the encouragement, and we'd love to have you back telling us what's happening next. 
because um, you guys have great, you have a great thing going on. You have one foot in the street, one foot in the system. Which we I need. love it. It's good, right? Yes, that's, that's what we, we want, the inside game and the outside. Yes, buy, buy game all. Buy game all. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys, so much. Josh Fox, Nomad Keycons, and Amber Lee Frost. And we will see you next week. And I'm going to be at the RNC, so hopefully we'll have oh, some Katie, live reports. Oh, yay. Awesome. See you guys there. And see you there, Nomad And we love you. See you next week.